We're talking about the power that your confession is to have. Now, whether or not your confession will have power is up to you. Because if you choose to talk the circumstances and talk about the natural things in your life and talk about the mountains that you're facing, guess what? There won't be any power in your confession. But if you'll talk about about your finances, about your life, if you'll if you will allow yourself to speak what God has already spoken over you, to say the same thing as he says, when you speak his word, it brings his power and his presence on the scene to change what you are facing. We've been named this positive confession group, and let's define it. Absolutely, that's our goal. But it's only positive if we're saying what he says, because the only power in what we say is if we're saying the word of God. So in reality, the power of our confession is God, is Jesus. Isn't that right? Isn't that amazing that you and I as his children can bring his presence everywhere we go? Wow, that's a powerful concept. So let's talk about this just a little bit. We need to back up. Remember we said this last week. We talked about how that in Romans chapter 10, there's a progression that in order for you to get the result that God's word says, you have to call. The example is, as you call, you'll be saved. But then it says, how can you call in whom you've not believed? So in other words, you're going to speak as a result of what you believe in your heart. Does that make sense? If the word of God is not in abundance in your heart, you're going to speak out of the unrenewed part of your mind and your words are going to be filled with doubt and fear and you know all kinds of junk that's not going to produce anything. But if you build your beliefs by meditating in the word of God and you're walking in revelation of his word, you're hearing his voice, faith comes by hearing his word. If you're believing right, you're going to speak right. And then, but then it says, but how can we believe right if we're not hearing right? So you have to understand. Remember, we went all the way back to Romans 7, where it talks about, Paul is like, listen, the law of sin and death that is in my flesh is warring after the law of my mind, trying to bring me the spirit man that I am, into captivity to this law of sin and death. But I'm not going to let it happen because my God, my Father, has given me the victory through Jesus now. I don't ever have to give in to that again. I can meditate in his word day and night so that now his words, which contain his thoughts, will begin to mold me and shape me. So I want to talk about this thought realm for a little bit. Words are containers. Like this bottle, you've heard me do this how many times, and you know we're going to keep doing it until we really get it. If you're sitting here tonight saying, oh my gosh, here we go again, I'm talking, or I should say this, I believe the Holy Spirit's talking specifically to you. If you're sitting here going, oh, praise God, I need to hear this again and again and again and again, then praise God, you need to hear it again and again and again, but you're in the right place to hear it. But this bottle would represent a word. And the bottle contains what the water would be, the thoughts. Okay? So the thoughts that are contained in the words... The thoughts that come out of words, the Bible says those thoughts shape you. If they're God's words, they'll shape you into what he has for you to be. If you are hearing and embracing the enemy's words, they will shape you into 
so that he can steal the word from you so that he could come in and kill and destroy things in your life. So the words, now see, if you ever notice, if somebody came up to you and just told you off in Mandarin, (laughs) you'd sit there and go, you might even be smiling. Like, are they being nice to me? Are they not? Why? Because the, the words, the containers in Mandarin, they make no sense. They're not being open to me because I don't understand them. So nothing would shape me, right? I remember being in a business trip in New York City one time. And uh, there's this one district and, and there's a lot of knockoff companies that these factories will move all over the place. Now, this is in the 80s. Who knows if it's still like this? But uh, so, so anyway, one of my uh, big accounts, I was with a salesman. And so we went into, it was, uh, it was the Korean district. or so, I, can't, I can't remember what it was, but it was Asian. And so I'm in there meeting with the owner. And, the, and I'm talking to him. Because this guy has been buying knockoff stuff. And, and basically, I was just telling him, hey, listen, you know, if you're going to do this, we're not going to do business with you anymore. And so this guy was sitting there looking at me. The owner's sitting there looking at me like he doesn't understand a word I'm saying. But I had kind of done my research a little bit, and I had had other people call. And, and he talked fluent English. So it was amazing, though, because it seemed like my words were not shaping him at all. You know, he'd kind of look at me like. And, and so the sales rep's like, hey, man, he doesn't, he doesn't speak English. And I said, okay, well, I go, you know what? I'm done. I'm heading back to California. Just tell him it's over, that we're never doing business with him. He's now insulted me because I know he speaks English. I know he's listening to me right now. I mean, he's sitting right there. And I said, so just tell him, and I'm talking to my salesman, just just tell him it's over, no second chance. I get up, it was amazing. (laughs) My words must have been open because they shaped this guy. He was running, grabbing my arm. No, 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 no. And he miraculously spoke perfect English. But, be, you know, if you don't know what somebody's saying, they don't shape you. But if you know, and let me give you a little clue. Satan, these principalities and powers that have been watching your great-great-grandmother and father, your great-great-great, you know, all, the, all down the ages, your mom and dad, uh, they've been watching you your whole life. They know phrases that really get you. Have you ever walked into a room and even smelled something and it took you back somewhere? Or you heard something? I'm telling you, when you receive the wrong words, it will shape your life wrongly. God, your Father, wants you to receive His words because His words will untwist your emotions so that they get right. So now your emotions will motivate you to serve God instead of try to lead you down a wrong path. I'm so lonely. Nobody ever loves me. You know, right? Why is that happening? Because you're hearing wrong words. So realize this. This is, this is just a fact that thoughts which are contained by words, that's what shapes you. This is how important this is. This is why God over and over says, I want you to meditate in my word day and night so that you could observe to do all that is written in my word. And then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Why? Because God's words, the containers of his words are pouring thoughts and they're they're shaping you into the man and woman of God that you're to be. Here's the good news. And I'm a living example of this. Now I'm still a work in progress. But I got to tell you, there's some things in my past that would eat my lunch if I heard them. And now they don't even... Because why? Because when God... 
when, you, when God molds and shapes you differently, sometimes the enemy will say things to me, like if he comes to me with the worthless thing, sometimes it almost sounds funny to me. Right? Because why? Because I, I meditate in his word. And so it no longer, I, I just, but see, why, why do those words not shape me anymore negatively? Because I don't receive them. If I hear them, I know not to just leave them alone. No, I take them captive with the word of God. So words are thought capsules or thought containers. So now let, let, me, let me talk about this for a minute. What are thoughts? What are they? Are they physical? Are they material? We've created this category for thoughts that we call, well, thoughts are mental. We've created this category, right? Doesn't that sound right? Well, yeah, the pastor, they're, they're thoughts. They come in my mind. They're mental. Romans, says, Romans 8, 6 says this, for to be carnally, this is fleshly, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The Bible talks about there's only two categories. And did you notice? One of them's not mental. Thoughts are not in the category of mental. Now, do they come into your mind? Yes. But thoughts are spiritual. And, and thoughts from the enemy carry all that the enemy can have and give you spiritual death so here's the thing when you embrace a thought from the enemy you're it's like you're drinking poison you're drinking spiritual death for to be spiritually minded is what? It can only produce life and peace. But to be carnally minded, or in other words, to look and perceive and hear words that contain natural things, it can only produce death. Only produce death. Go back to Genesis chapter 6. You guys doing okay? This is so important to get our, to get our speech right. Genesis chapter 6 in verse 5, Genesis 6, 5, it says here, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So when God, what he saw was that man, every imagination. Now, this word in the Hebrew for imagination, it's the word yester. Y-E-S-T-A-R. Yester. This word means a forming, a shaping, a molding. Okay? Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Interesting, it uses that Hebrew word, yester. So now, if you go to Genesis chapter 2, in verse 7, it's the same root word, it's yestar. Y-E-S-T-A-R, which is from the, it's the same root. So this word literally means to form, shape, and mold. Very similar. And look at what it says in Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed. It's the word yestar. He formed, he shaped, he molded man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or the spirit of life and man became a living soul. So God made us out of dirt. Great. Right? I heard a professor from Oxford one day prove how that, how that God did that. I was like 18, 19 years old. 
That went over my head, but I thought it was really cool. Right? So, but where was man before God shaped, molded, and formed him out of the dust? Where was man? Man was in the mind of God. Right? The forming of man in the earth came as a result of man being formed in the mind of God. And now it says here that we became exactly like our Father. We're a speaking spirit. He breathed the spirit of life in us. What I want you to see from this is a thought is something that molds and shapes and forms. Now remember, the person that talks to you more than anybody else is you. So I'm telling you, you gotta get your speech about yourself right. And in order to do that, you have to submit to the word of God and put it first. Because your identity will only be found in him. Your identity of who you really are will come as a result of you receiving his words which contain his thoughts which will mold you into basically his image. This is so very, very important. It is a spiritual force that can shape something out of the spirit realm into this natural realm. This is how important this is. So like as an example, an artist when they paint a picture, where was that painting? It was first, right? In, in, in the artist's mind or heart, whatever you, however you want to say that. What about the potter or the sculptor? The same thing. We see from, math, or from Mark chapter 5, when you go, or Mark chapter 4, when you talk about what is it, the parable of the sower, that everything, the word of God is like a seed. God's word goes into your spirit man. Your spirit man has to have good soil so that the word can grow. And good soil is soil where you keep your eyes on God's word. So if you're listening to the world and natural things, it will only produce fear and death. If you're listening to God, it will produce life. Now, what's amazing is we know this, but yet we only know it here. Why is that? Well, if you want to find out how much you really, the difference, how much of it's here and how much of it's here for you, ask yourself the question, how much time have you spent here versus TV and natural things and your circumstances and all this just ask yourself that question because believers are walking through life and nothing is working for them that know what this word says but their belief's not strong enough for them to act on it and the minute some fire gets turned up or some waves get too big, we run. But we don't have to do that because God's word will shape you and mold you to be immovable in him. This is huge. God's thoughts are revealed all throughout his creation. What would God do with Adam and Eve? He would walk with them and commune with them in the, in the uh, cool of the day. What was he doing? He was sharing his thoughts with them. That's what he would do. What does he do today with you? All day long he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you about who he is and who you are in him and the plan that he has for you and how to walk it out in the next step. And here's the thing, but if we don't value it, then, then they're not, these words are not going to shape us. This is huge. Satan spoke to Adam and Eve words that contained his lying and deceiving thoughts and these lying and deceiving thoughts did what? They shaped, they formed, and they molded Adam and Eve into the originator of the thought. Now I want you to get what I'm saying. 
when, when you receive wrong thoughts, they will mold and shape within you to where you think you're the originator of that thought and you're not. Because here is the rule with thoughts. Whose ever thoughts you receive, you become like. And Satan knows this. And we need to know this because if we don't know it, I mean, it's amazing in the Christian world we live in now, people laugh about this stuff. Oh, you're one of those faith people. You're, are you not? Do I need to tell you about Jesus? Because if you're not a faith person, you're not even saved. Can't be healed. Can't walk in anything that would show the world Jesus. Well, you guys just think you can name and claim whatever you want. No, we don't. That's not Bible. What we name and what we claim is what God says he's already given us. Why do we even do that? Well, the only way I can do that is I have to hear his words. Right? Because when I hear... See, this is why I can be in faith. When I hear the word of God, those thoughts that are contained in his word shape me into being fully persuaded. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. I'm fully persuaded that what God said is true. So I go from somebody who's defeated to a world overcomer like that. I go from something, someone who's never seems to get over in life to someone who's already always won and always will win every battle in my life because now all things are possible to me because I believe it. Does this make sense? Christians are running back to the same areas that tripped them up before, year after year after year. Why? Because they're stupid? No, they're just acting that way. It's because God's words are not molding them and shaping them. Right? When you come to the reality that I can't change myself. I can't change my circumstances. Right? That literally, I don't have to because all I have to do is embrace his words. And his word will do all of the work because his words contain his thoughts and they will mold and shape me. They'll mold and shape my world to come right in line. They'll pull things out of the spirit realm. They'll bring heaven to this earth right now for me. Isn't that good news? This is huge. Whoever thoughts you receive, you become like. Always remember that. Why is it that in Psalm 1-1, it's impossible. The Bible, the Bible says, blessed is the man. This word blessed means empowered to prosper and succeed is the man that does not walk, stand, or sit around sinners, ungodly people, or scornful people. Why? Because if you're in the wrong place, you're going to be hearing the wrong words, which are going to contain the wrong thoughts, and they're going to mold and shape you the wrong way. Does that make sense? This is huge. Every thought... This is very, I want to be very clear with this. Every thought is endeavoring to form and shape you. The enemy's thoughts are death. And until you submit, humble yourself by submitting to God, resist the devil by taking thoughts captive and using his word so that he flees, that's how you get rid of his thoughts. But if you don't do that, they're always going to be trying to come back around and shape you and form you. God's word is always trying to shape and form and mold you. The difference is the enemy's words will always drive you, push you. This has to happen right now. Try to push you into things. God's words, because he, he's so gracious, he won't violate your will. He's wooing you. Right? So this is very, very important. Thoughts from the enemy are evil. They're destructive. They bring death. 
They cause failure. They bring poverty, sickness, everything. Thoughts from God bring his Zoe life. It walks us into holiness, prosperity, deliverance, freedom, peace, joy. You can just go on. You and I, now this is a big statement. You and I are today what we have become, not what we have to be. If you're not happy with the way you are today, rejoice, because you don't have to stay where you are. You and I are today what we've become. It's a result of who we embraced over the years. Right? But we don't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. You can make a decision. You don't even have to know how to change. That's the big, that's the funny thing. Because you have the greater one on the inside of you. That will change you. Now you'll have to be willing and you'll have to be obedient. But if you'll be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. We will have to grow so that we can receive more from him. But realize this, God can fix in one day what it took the enemy a whole lifetime to destroy. In one day, God can change it all. I mean, you don't have to be the same by the time you leave here tonight, right? If you're sitting in your house right now watching this, you don't have to be the same. The enemy's defeated. God's word is life. And all of heaven will see to it that you walk in this if you want to. Right? When you know someone's thoughts, you know how they think. Then you will learn their ways. As I'm getting to know my Father, as I'm getting to know the Lord Jesus, as I get to know the mighty Holy Spirit, I, I'm, I know how they think. Right? And because I know how they think, I know how they're always going to lead me. People are running around saying, you know, I just don't know. I don't know the voice of God. Well, the reason why is because the wrong words, which can carry the wrong thoughts, are shaping you wrong. And, and see, many times, even if you're sitting in church hearing truth, while you're hearing preaching, you're talking to yourself deaf at a rate of 10 times what you're hearing. So we got to shut that off. We got to shut some things off on the outside of our life because you'll be like the environment you're around. You know, you want to be real careful. And, and, and here's the thing. You don't have to figure that out either. Just be willing and obedient, right? Don't let anybody tell you what to do. You follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You have him on the inside of you. You put God's word first and you walk with him. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you've never figured it out before. He'll get you in the right place. He'll get you. See, and, and what he'll do is he'll bring you up so that you see everything as it really is, not as it seems. You'll see everything from his perspective, not your own perspective. This is huge. When you know God's ways, see, when you know how he thinks, let me say this, when you know how he thinks, you'll know his ways. When you know his ways, now you will know how to discern his will for your life. Everybody wants to know the will of God. Great. My life would only be better if I just had a house. If I just had enough money to do this, my house, my, my life would be better. If I just drove this type of car, oh, if I could just not have any college debt, oh, if I would have just went to college, my life would be better. Oh my gosh, here's a big one. If I can just find a person that I'm to marry. That's a big one, right? How do you do it? Knock yourself out. Look, just start looking for him. Start looking for her. Good luck with that. How do you find it? How do you find him? How do you find what you're supposed to do in life? How do you discern the will of God? Hear how it is. You got to know, you got to know how he, how he, his course of action, right? Well, you know that because you know how he thinks. Do you know God tonight is not stressed out about you finishing your course? He knows exactly 
how to get you from where you are to where you need to be. He knows exactly. The question is not if he's even willing, because we know he is. Think about God's will for your life. Everything you could ever possibly want or need in this life, he's already provided. Well, how could God know that? He's not in time. Your tomorrow, he saw, he, right now he's watching you brush your teeth tomorrow morning. Right? Right now, he's standing right there inside of you when you look at yourself and you say, I don't like what I see. He's right there on the inside of you ready to bring his word up to help you not embrace that ridiculous thought. Right? He's right there every day of our life. Colossians chapter 1. Let's jump over there real quick. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. We're talking about the power of your confession. We've went through a lot of scriptures. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We're snared by the words of our mouth. Right? All of these things that we've went through in these past weeks. But in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 10, looking, we're looking at the context is I need... I need to know his thoughts so that I could know how he works so that I could discern his will for my life. Look at what it says here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is a prayer of supplication. Why? Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What is eternal life? John John 17.3 says, this is life eternal. What is it? That we know God the Father and His Son whom He sent. It's all knowing God. So we see even from this scripture and many others that we are created in Christ Jesus with the capacity to embrace and understand God's thoughts. Isn't that amazing? You were created. When you received Christ, you were made a new creature and you were created with the capacity now to do what? To not only understand his thoughts, but to lay hold of them and embrace them so that they can start molding you. Wow, this is big. This is gigantic. The more you ponder and think God's thoughts, the further you see into them. The more you see, the further you see into them, the more that it will bless you and excite you and turn you on. Because what happens? The further you get your eyes off of you, you go from holding on to your life like this this is my life and I need this and I need that. But when you start looking into his thoughts, you get your eyes off yourself. And pretty soon, you're living your life like this. I, I, I don't even, you know, I'm, I, I don't think too highly of myself. I'm not concerned. My God loves me. My future's secure. This battle I'm in, he is, it's, already, it's already won. And my Father will cause me to triumph in it. And see, now, now when you start to get your eyes off you, guess what happens? You start going throughout your day, getting your, you start seeing people that don't have what you have. And things start stirring in you. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called your spirit. And all of a sudden, you have a global perspective and you have a kingdom mentality. And now, you step into this room where you're not seeking stuff for you. You're seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. And now, what you don't realize, because you're not even thinking about it anymore, now, he could add everything to you. Do you see that? We've been talking about this place on Sunday. It's called the secret place. It's where it all happens. Hallelujah. 
See, when you know someone's thoughts, how they think, you'll know how they, how they move and how they work, and now you'll be able to know and discern God's will for your life. See, we need to know God's thoughts in this life so that we can know how to live in every area of our life. This is why, if you're in faith, everybody will know it. Because there's joy and peace in believing. Right? So let's, let's, we've been talking about it. Let's jump over to Psalm chapter 1. Because this verse really says it in a big way. Psalm 1.1. It says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. What is this telling us? There are thoughts that we don't need to hear. There are places that we are not, we shouldn't be going. We shouldn't be walking. We shouldn't be standing. We shouldn't be sitting. And I'm telling you what, if you decide to walk in the counsel of someone who's not godly. Now, here's the sad thing. You might have some Christian friends that are not godly. I mean, they're godly on the inside, but they're not walking it out on the outside. You better be careful about walking with them. You want to walk with people that are godly, right? They're humble. They're not judging anybody, but they're passionate. They're, they're passionate about, I love God. I, I'm going to do what his word says. I'm going to love the unlovable. I'm going to, Right? See, it's amazing in our circles that we get taught the word. And because we don't catch the heart, we just seek stuff for our life. And all of a sudden, we are in October of 2019. And we have not led one person to Christ. We've not witnessed to anybody. We are just living our life. And by now, where maybe we started out in January with this mentality that, man, I really want to do, do something for God. Now, by now, because we're embracing wrong thoughts, we're just so up to here for us. But let's start the process. So many people are so in love with ministry. They'll leave a church. Well, they just don't let me do anything. I'm a teacher. Okay, well, go be a teacher. Man, you passed hundreds of people that know nothing about God today. How many of them would have just loved the fact? Right? We have a lady in our church. This lady is so on fire for God. She grew up in Libya. Whole Muslim family. She worked with Christians. But none of them ever told her about Jesus. She just happened to, she was on the internet one night and saw a scripture from the Bible words from God and she read them and, and the Holy Spirit opened the word to her and, 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 that, and that just dripped on her. Led her to a Catholic Bible study and she got saved. Right? I mean, her family disowned her except for her dad. Her dad didn't disown her. Her best friend at work, disowned her, who was Muslim. But God's thoughts kept molding and shaping her. All of a sudden, she starts listening to messages. Now she's here, she's on fire for the Lord. Well, guess what? That fire will burn inside of every one of us to where we have to tell people. And, and I'm telling you, when you get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on others... You can only do that because your eyes are on him. God's able to do wondrous things in your life. What are we talking about? The power of our confession. It says here, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, the person that is positioned to be empowered by God to prosper and succeed, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, this was written in the Old Testament. The law would be the, you know, the first five books of the Bible. For a New Testament believer, we read it under New Testament lights. We could read it like this, but his delight is in the word of God. 
And in his word, he meditates day and night. Do you know? There's, it's only day or night. So in other words, he's meditating. He's pondering. The word meditate means to mutter. He's saying over and over and over within himself, out of his mouth, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love him because he first loved me. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything is new. By his stripes I'm healed. He himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. He meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He teaches me. I mean, day and night, what's happening now? It's like this flood. If, if God's words are like this bottle, it's just like his thoughts are just pouring all over your spirit, man. And what's happening is the Holy Spirit, see what happens is the Holy Spirit opens the container. The entrance, the opening of God's word brings light. It says in John, in him was life. And his life was the light. It literally means the development of men. The entrance of his word brings light. It literally brings his thoughts into your life and they start molding you and shaping you into Jesus. While you're, you're over here given in one area of your life, he's in your future and he's, he's working all things out for you in 25 other areas. And pretty soon you, get, you, you walk free in this one area. And then you realize three years later, these other 25 areas that used to be a problem just aren't a problem. And you're like, oh my gosh. And, and this is where you find that out. In the secret place. Because you're just thanking him. You're praising him. You've opened up to him. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh. I haven't had a cigarette in two weeks. I haven't looked, I haven't looked at the internet in areas that I shouldn't for a month. I haven't had a drink. I haven't smoked weed. I haven't done all these things. I haven't kicked the dog once. I haven't, you know, I haven't talked bad to my wife. I haven't talked bad to my husband. Right? He's, he's working all these things out. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Look at what? Because of verse 1 and verse 2, it tells you, what will happen in your life? Because you make a decision. I am going to be where God wants me to be. I'm not going to walk, stand, or sit in the wrong places, but I am going to delight in his word. This will be the source of my joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. Even though right now I don't even really know what that means. But I, I just am making a decision. A resolution. Uh, there's no turning back. His word is first. I can't worry anymore. I can't be anxious. I can't fear anymore because I've made this thing and I know he's, oh, he's, he's literally watching over the word coming out of my mouth and he's strengthening me and encouraging me and sustaining me to walk this out. It says, and he shall be. Notice this comes after verse one and two. It doesn't say he might be. It says he shall be. That means this is God's word. It's not subject to change. It's forever settled. Whoever will put themselves in the right environment and delight in God's word shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. That means more than enough provision coming from the inside, not coming from the outside. You shall be. It says here, that brings forth his fruit in his season. So if I will stay in the right environment and delight in the word of God, I will yield all my fruit in my season. What's my season? The, my short time on this earth. Guys, we talk about Jesus coming back for his church. But life is going so fast do you realize it just, it just turned 2019? And we're in October. Listen, gee, I was 28, and then I blinked, and now I'm going to be 58. I'll blink again, and I'm going to be 88. Does that make sense? 
I, I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a laser course in a very short season to see Jesus and be with him forever. Do you fear getting old? No. Why? Man, every day I get older, I'm one day closer to him. But I can tell you this, if I stay in the right place and stop hearing wrong things and delight in the word, in other words, hear the right things, I will be like a tree where all of more than enough provision. I'm never moved by the outside now. I'm only moved by the inside. I'll yield all my fruit in my season. So that means, that means everything that I'm supposed to yield, fruit that I'm supposed to yield, I'll yield it. Which means I'm going to stand before Jesus one day. And he's going to go, man, Tony, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm going to say, thank you, Lord. And he's going to hand me a victor's crown. And I'm going to bow at his feet because I'm going to be like, Lord, you're so good. This represents everything you did through my life. Thank you for the honor of walking with you through life. And I'll be so blessed. You'll be like, Tony, you're blessed because you didn't see me and you believed. That's you too. But then it even gets better. It goes on to say this person, everything in their life and whatsoever he does shall prosper. But in the Hebrew language, it says whatsoever he does will be brought to maturity. That means everything that God has for you to do, not only will you start it, it'll be brought to maturity. Wow. I know for me, for Jeanette, pastoring this great church, we get so excited because we're like, this will be brought to maturity. Right? This, this church will become everything. We're not moved by anything but this. Because Matthew 4.4 says this, and I'm kind of closing now, coming down the road a little bit. I'm fixing to close. Okay, give me a couple minutes. Matthew 4.4 says, It is written, man shall not live by bread only, but how is man going to live? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Wow. See, as we said before, you know where we said the entrance of his word brings light? That's Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of his word, it means the opening of his word. How, how does the entrance of his word, how does God's word enter your heart? It enters your heart when you speak it. Does that make sense? And it affects, it comes out of your heart and renews your mind so that your life is transformed and changes everything in your life as you speak it. So we speak God's word to get it in our heart and so that it's coming out of our heart, out of our mouth, into our life. This is so, so very important. God's word enters our heart as we speak it. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It shows me where I really am. Because see, you might be here tonight thinking, I am really defeated. But when you shed the light of the word of God on your life that says your father always causes you to, or to triumph, that he blesses the work of your hands, that he makes you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, You'll see things, wait a minute, I'm not defeated, I'm victorious. And then it'll be a light to your path, it'll show you which way to go. It'll show you your next step. We must humble ourselves to say the same thing that God says instead of speaking what we feel. The world system's going to try to program you to speak based on what you're perceiving with your senses. But here's the reality. To change your life, you have to change your words. Right? So let's have a big counseling session right now. This is all you'll ever need. <laughs> to change your life, change your words. 
Yeah, but no, Pastor, I, I, I need to come spend 19 hours and talk about everything. No, you don't. Why do that to yourself? It's not going to bless me to hear all the junk. But really, it's not going to bless me. I, I mean, I could handle hearing the junk because I love you. But it's not going to really make me happy because it's not going to bless you when you talk about it. When you go visit somebody in the hospital, here is the thing that you, your flesh will want to ask this question, but do not do it. You walk in, somebody just had surgery, somebody's recovering, and you can see on their face. First of all, if they've been in the hospital very long, they're getting no rest. Because about the time they doze off, they wake you up and give you more medicine. Right? So then, here, here you come. And what do you want to say? How do you feel? When you need to come in, isn't it awesome to know that God's your strength? That it's written, that it's written, that it's written, right? See, if I ever look like I'm not feeling good, please don't come up to me and ask me how I'm feeling. Now, come up to me and say, so, pastor, what do you believe in? Oh, I'll tell you. Yeah. I might, if you ask me how I'm feeling, I might even say, you know what, why don't we just, why don't we just put that one on the shelf and let's talk about what I'm believing, Right? Because, see, we get all caught up in this confession thing, don't we? Oh, my gosh. Leanne just came up to me and said, how are you feeling? Or what's going on in your life? And I'm sitting here going, you know, I was just diagnosed with this life-threatening disease, but I can't say that and this. And I remember in Christ the Healer class. Man, when Keith Moore is teaching Christ the Healer class at Rama, it's like everybody's sickness is coming. And you see people coming into class. You know, I mean, you see it. Sinus infection is just blowing up their head. I feel, gr I feel great. <laughs> liar. Liar. You're trying to call things that are as though they're not. That's not faith. Right? Give yourself a break. Are you kidding me? How do I feel? You can't tell how I feel. Let me tell you what I believe, right? Because here's the thing, guys. Why do people want to... See, if you're not growing in the Lord, it will make your flesh feel better if somebody else is worse off than you. How sick is that? That's not even who you are, but we've all been there. You hear about somebody who really messes up, and you got this secret sin in your life, and instantly you feel a little bit better, and you start going, well, you know, I'm not as bad as they are. Maybe God really does love me. Boy, that'll take you down a wrong road, right? Your words locate you. You'll never see any, I'll close with this, you'll never see anything in your life that's not coming out of your mouth. It's impossible. You want to lead people to Christ? You want to yield all your fruit in your season? Let me say this. I'm not even going to ask that question. That's a silly question. Because if you're carnal, you'll be like, I just want to pay my bills. But if you jump over in your spirit, you'll be like, oh my gosh, yes. I want people to know God the way I know God. So, but if you want that, you're going to have to speak it. You want abundance in your life financially, you're going to have to speak it. The Bible says you're going to be satisfied by the increase of your lips. Do you want to walk in health and wholeness? You're going to have to speak it. 